Hey, I'm Pastor Rhonda. And I'm Pastor Seth. You're listening to Growing Hope, Living Faith. Well, welcome back to Growing Hope, Living Faith podcast. We are so glad that you're listening in today. And uh, man, summer is just flying it by. Is, it is going by. <laughs> I noticed yesterday, it's really like the first day that I could tell in the weather. It was just like steamy and just felt so humid. Ugh. I know. And it's, it's going to be over before we know it. I mean, yes. we're midway. We're all past midway through it's June. Almost, I just looked down on my watch. Yeah, it's today almost is, the 4th of July. <laughs> I know. Today is the 20th. Uh, we're wow. recording on the 20th. But man, it's, it's just going to fly by. And so, you know, I think you're going on vacation. Yes, I'm leaving Saturday. And I'm so excited because I'm going with, I always have to say, most of my family because we can never seem to get everybody together. But I'm going with my son and my daughter and their families. And I talked to my parents awesome. into coming along with us. So we are going to have fun. I'm just missing, you know, how mama's heart is. I'm still missing my baby. Mm-hmm. But he's at the beach this week. Of course, he's not a baby. He's yes. in his mental age, <laughs> but he's still mine. <laughs> that's awesome. So, well, that's good. Yeah, and I'm going on vacation next week, too. So, yes. um, we're going to be going down to Florida and... Uh, Morgan's parents live in Florida, and so we're going to go spend some time down there. And um, they live not too far from Orlando, so... I know some people may not agree with all of this politicalness of this company, but we are going to go do Disney for a couple of days. Right. So. <laughs> yeah, hey, I get it. We did it last year. It's one of those things, just controversial, and you just have to like pray and do your thing. Well, the reality is, is if we didn't buy products or um, support companies that did things that we didn't agree with, then we probably wouldn't support the, the reality anything. is we wouldn't be, like, we wouldn't be buying anything. We wouldn't, I mean, we would be growing our own foods. We'd be growing our, sewing our own clothes. We'd be doing all those kind of things. Um, but it's so easy because the media oftentimes makes a focal point of whatever. Mm-hmm. And for some reason we're just all drawn to that. And right. when it's kind of thrown in your face, then, uh, then, you know, I think it's, it's something that, um, but yeah, so, you know, like I said, we I wouldn't kinda- be doing anything, <laughs> anything. I kind of live by the philosophy, eat the chicken, throw out the bones. Nice. I mean, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. just go have fun. And yeah, yeah, yeah. doesn't mean you have to believe everything or participate. And then there's a lot to be said to being the light. I mean, are we supposed to just, you know, are we sanctified so that we stay in our little holy huddles? Mm-hmm. I think I talked about one time before where we stay um, secluded in our own little world. Right. I don't think so. I think we need to be out and about, you yep. know, just shining the light of Jesus. Absolutely. So, so yeah, so that'll be fun. And um, so our plan is to have a podcast out next week as well. So yeah. even though we're going to be on vacation. So uh, we're going to record too. <laughs> I know that's, that's the goal. We'll see how that goes. And um, so, you know, we've been talking a little bit about, you know, potentially changing it up, kind of moving away from lectionary a little bit. Um, and, uh, and so, you know, I think this is going to be one of those episodes, I think, where we do that. Um, and probably the next one too is we really just kind of push away from lectionary. Um, and you found a pretty interesting article and I think it's an article that, um, I think it'd be fun to talk about, you know, a little bit and just kind of, kind of go through it. Um, we'll make sure that we put a link to this, um, below. Um, but tell us a little bit about, uh, the guy's name is kind of hard to pronounce that wrote it. It's Carrie. C-A-R-E-Y. Carrie. I would say Carrie. Carrie. Newhoff? Newhoff. Newhoff. Something like that. 
Anyway, N-E- I'm sure you've seen if you W H O F. Yeah. Yeah. If you keep up with any kind of leadership articles or uh, pastoral leadership, especially, mm-hmm. you'll see a lot of his writing. And I do like to read a lot of articles because I'm not an expert in right. church growth or anything like that. So I, I do because I, I feel like every time I get on social media, I see some kind of a of a negative article or something that's about you know how the the Church attendance is declining. People are leaving the church. People are deconstructing. People are walking away. And, um, you know, sometimes I think we think that maybe it was COVID. People learned that they could get away without mm. without God, you right. know, and they're like, hey, we're still, we're still okay. So, you know, there's just not that importance on going to church. So I try to read a lot of different articles along those lines. And I ran across this one on uh, Clergy Coaching Network. Yes. Do you follow that page? I don't. Oh, it's I good. probably should, but I don't. It's yes. Clergy Coaching Network. Shout out to you guys. And, um, but there was an article called Third. 13 signs your church is dying. Yeah. So I thought this was interesting. And I think if you're in church work, I think there's a lot said here that um, that we need to take, I think, as important For sure. and at least think about it. And you may not agree with the author or the writer of this article, but at least it's good food for thought. Right. Yeah. I think this is something that we, sh- we should be looking at. And, um, you know, not that we necessarily have to change everything we're doing per se but you know if there is a problem which you know i think a lot of people would say at least the church in america is Mm. is is dying you know i mean people Mm. are leaving the church in america in droves i feel like um especially um the younger generation kind of like you said you know and so we can either just look at that and throw our hands up and say, well, you know, or we can, we can try to figure out, Hey, what's going on here. Let's, let's talk about it. Let's figure out, see if we can figure out what the the source or the reasons are. And let's, let's try to deal with them and and see if we can make them, you know, change something so that that this doesn't happen. So, right. Well, the first, um, the first sign is your leaders are losing their passion. Mm. Hmm. When I read that, I think of Revelation. I think about, um, you know, I think it's, is it the Church of Ephesus? I don't have my Bible that's easy to find stuff in right, right here right. with me. But you know that you're neither hot nor cold. You're lukewarm. Yeah. You're you're neither hot or cold. And I'll spit you out of my mouth. That's kind of what I think about when I saw this losing their passion. And I, I do believe it's easy for leaders, um, and I'm a leader. Mm-hmm. You know, it's easy for me to lose my passion because we. I think sometimes we do get caught up in just ministry. And um, we're just not passionate anymore about about telling about making this connection, you Mm -hmm. know, about about trying to to reach people with this good news of Jesus. I think we're just so focused on everything else that we just forget what we're doing. Yeah. And that's easy to do because once again. Your pastors and your leaders, they're human beings, and it's so easy sometimes to elevate them um, to places um, that's really unhealthy, I think, Mm -hmm. on a very, very deep level. Um, And I think when that happens is when, you know, leaders get elevated to a position that is unhealthy, where Mm -hmm. there are these crazy almost expectations of they're going to make the church grow. They're going to do this. They're going to make sure that we're taken care of. I mean, not saying that those things are bad or wrong, but when there's all of these expectations that, that a leader has to live up to, um, then it no longer becomes once again about the reason that they are even in that position anyways. Right. Right. So most of the times people take positions 
because there there is this passion, there is this desire for for the leadership position that they're in, that they want to see things grow. And it's, I know especially as pastors, we want to disciple people. We want to journey with people. We want to love on people. We want people to be able to grow. We want people. Um, uh, but when uh, sometimes these other expectations that maybe aren't necessarily the healthiest expectations come in, then we begin to veer off from, all right, this is why we are doing what we're doing or what we felt like we were mm-hmm. called to do. Now we've got to do these other things to make sure that we are meeting other people's expectations. Right. And it's no longer about what we originally got in it to be able to do. Um, you know, I, I had a job one time where, you know, I was hired to do a thing, right? Like I was hired for this specific purpose. And as the job continued on, my superiors, they kept on just throwing other stuff on mm-hmm. here that had nothing to do with the original reason of why. And so it, it forced me to be in all of these meetings on a weekly basis. I felt like I was just wow. in meetings and meetings and meetings. And it was so much easier. Like I, I really did lose a passion. And all I wanted to do was that specific thing that you really originally hired me for right. that all these other things weren't really necessarily a part. Right. Um, is, is that's it. And, and like I said, not saying that being a pastor, you know, I mean, we've got to be flexible in all those things, but man, how do we, how do we make sure that as leaders, we remember what our passion really, really is all about. Right. But then maybe if you're a lay person, what expectations mm-hmm. do you put on your pastor or, or your staff or your leaders, man, that may be draining their passion from them, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and then how do we um, potentially, you know, be a people that allow our pastors and our leaders to be passionate about what they're right. passionate about? And I do think there's something to be said if you are a leader is to surround yourself with other people that are passionate. And that's in your friends. That's who you Mm -hmm. hang out with. Because I do think attitudes of others do finally rub off on you. So if you're spending your time with people that are just, you know, flying by the seat of their pants, you know, or just they don't care or whatever, Mm -hmm. um, I do think that rubs off. So I do think you have to surround yourself with your peers or with the teams that you assemble to, to carry out ministry. Look for people that are passionate about God, passionate about people. Right. And some of these are going to bleed together, just so you guys yeah. know. Like some of these, you're going to be like, oh, y'all were talked about that earlier. Right. But a lot of these, they, they do kind of bleed together. So are you ready for number yeah, two? Yeah, let's go to number two. All right. It says, your church is afraid of innovation and change. Dun, what? Dun, dun. <laughs> yes. How many sacred cows can we have uh, in a church? Oh, yeah. goodness. Yeah, I do think people are afraid of change because that's all we've ever known. And and it's not, I mean, there's just so many ways to be afraid of change. As a worship pastor, mm-hmm. I can tell you people are afraid to change to seeing, you know, contemporary worship. Yeah. And I could th- that could be a whole episode Absolutely. all of its own. Because I do think people are just, they want to sing the songs that they've always grown up with, the songs that they, they love. And they're great. That's mm-hmm. I get it. I promise I get it. But if we hang on to those songs, they're written in our conversational language. Yeah. We need to be continually right. introducing new songs that are written with the language that people use today. That right. people, you know, so it's conversational. So they understand it mm-hmm. and so that it's meaningful to them. But that's just one area oh, of yeah, change. Yeah. Um, I think sometimes we're afraid to change even like a time of a service or, you know, maybe um, not having a traditional service. Sunday school. I mean, I think, you know, we used to have like the traditional Sunday school and there's not anything wrong with that, but there's also not anything wrong with adding to that, like small groups and in other ways. Right. Yeah. It's, this is, this is a tough one. Um, 
you know, there are people out there that I think they would say, yeah, I really enjoy change. Um, but I think they're few and far in between. Mm -hmm. Um, we are creatures of habit. We are creatures of comfort. Um, we like comfort, like to be comfortable. We like to kind of have our habits and our routines and not that routines are necessarily bad. Um, but I like the the first word, and I almost think that's probably the word that we should use. Right. Is, is your church is afraid of innovation? And I wonder, you know, like I've never, I haven't really used, heard that word used. Um, right. You know, it's I always hear the word change. Like we're going to change this, we're going to change this, as opposed to potentially coming from a place of hey, we're, we're trying to this is innovative. We're trying to be innovative mm-hmm. in how we are presenting the gospel. But yeah, people don't like change, and it seems like sometimes the older that we get, the maybe the less mm-hmm. we do like change. Not saying anything about that generation. So then, you know, I think for us as pastors, the the thing we've got to do is how do we honor and respect where we came from, Mm. but continue to push and challenge our people. Like I said, that's where you got to really do really, really well. And I think it takes potentially years and years and years and years of preaching this mentality of the tool is not the thing, right? Like that's not what we worship. Um, The tool is not the thing. But it's it's an opportunity and an, and a, an avenue for us to be able to right. worship, um, and and so if we're worshiping the the tool or the whatever, then then we're missing we're missing the boat a little right. bit. And so how do we? And sometimes, like I said, because people have really been ingrained kind of over mm-hmm. and over and right. over, and that's where I think a lot of pastors really struggle and kind of miss the boat. And I've struggled with this even in my pastorships. Is you know you go in and you want everything to be how you envision the church mm. should be. Right? right. And what we've always seen. Yeah. 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 And, and it's, you know, and so when we go in we make a lot of changes or we make a, and so I don't necessarily think that that's necessarily the approach that pastors should take as well. Um, sometimes inches, it's all about the inches. It's all about mm. the baby steps. It's all about, you know, it's, it's, we see where we feel like we really want to be. But man, getting there, it may take us a long time to get there because you've got to be willing to journey with your people and, and work with your people. And, um, and, and so sometimes the growth is, is in the inches. It's not in right. the, the feet that we take or the huge steps or the huge leaps that we take. Right. Um, and sometimes it takes a while. And that, that oftentimes, if a pastor goes in with this mind frame of, man, we're going to change everything and I want it to be like this, and I want it to be like this. It's an easy, it goes back to that number one, <laughs> that pastors sometimes lose their passion if they go in with that mind frame. And so sometimes right. I think it's it's on the pastor. And then sometimes, like I said, I think it's on the congregation. Um, but yeah, that's a, that's, that's a tough one. I do think there's something to be said too about prayer. Mm. I think if we are diligent to be seeking the face of God, right. I think we would be surprised that he would invite us to partner with him in work that he's already doing. Yeah. I think sometimes we come to him and we have our plans and we want him to bless those, but mm-hmm. we're just not still in quiet to listen for his leadership and guidance and partner with him what in what he's doing. Right. Yeah, so, that's good. But that will bring about change. <laughs> yes, it shall. Okay, number three. This is interesting. Yeah. Number three, I'll read this one, says church management is replacing church leadership. When you're when you're growing as a church, it's easy to get to this place of, man, what, what are we doing? How are we making sure that we are just keeping and maintaining essentially what we are trying to do? Um, and it's, it's easy, like I said, to look around and say, hey, we don't want to lose this, right? Mm-hmm. We don't want to, instead of 
being that innovative person and trying to push and challenge your people and continue to push people in discipleship. And it's not that we are even, you know, as we are pushing people in discipleship, hopefully they are coming alongside mm-hmm. to be a part of this innovation and this change towards kingdom likeness. Um, but it's so much easier that as, as churches grow, um, or as you see some, even some type of growth, it's like, oh, we don't want to lose this. Right. Mm -hmm. And so you do everything that you can do just to maintain and manage as opposed to continue to lead in the the way that got you your growth. Does that kind of make sense? Um, so. And I do think we have to invest in other leaders instead of just manage them, instead of just, you know, telling them what to do. You go here and you do that. Mm-hmm. You say, you know, what is God leading you to do? All and we right. start putting the responsibility. I think there's so much to be said. I keep saying that phrase, but I think we can't um, underestimate empowerment. Um, right. When we manage people, we don't empower them to lead. Sure. And <clears throat> I think that's so important to empower you know, your, your laymen, laywomen to, to just really do what God's called them because God has called us all. And I think sometimes we see this picture of one person being in charge and they Mm -hmm. just manage all the people instead of pouring leadership into them and letting other people. That's good. And lots of times pride gets in the way of that too. Like when we, when we see something or we feel like Unfortunately, I won't say initially that we've created it, but something's happened and we create this system around whatever we feel like has happened. Like I said, then it's so much easier for that to become the sacred cow. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And, and that becomes the very thing that we begin to bow down to and say, no, we've got to do this. And then before long, if it starts dying, we say, well, we just got to get back to what we were doing. If we would just do oh, this, yeah. you know what I'm saying? And right. so it's, it's that perpetual cycle um, in this management. And so if we're not careful, the management of just maintaining what we think potentially is growth instead of really being a leader at the forefront. Um, yeah, that's, that's a, that's pretty interesting uh, one as well. That's the next one really maintenance is overtaking church mission. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's almost what you just said. We do get in maintenance mode where we, we forget what is the mission of our church? I mean, the mission should be clearly stated. It should be clearly communicated and everyone should be on board with what the mission really is. But too often we just maintain what we already have going Mm. and we've always done it this way. We're just going to maintain and maintain and maintain until you don't have a mission. Right, right, right. Yeah. And if we could just, if we can just, once again, find that one thing that's going to make the spark, then we'll keep on doing that until we run that into the ground. Right. Right. And like, like you said, it's, it's, it definitely, um, you know, um, mission, the mission never changes. And, you know, I've, I've said this many, many times and I've, I've heard many people say this, you know, like the message of the gospel never changes. But the way we present it and the way that we go about living it and doing it um, is always being changed. Um, right. And and so it's 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 easy to get focused on, like I said, what's worked and how can we get back to where we were at. And um, and I think if we if we would just focus on the mission and you said and like focus on prayer and I think it would be amazing to see where God really takes us. I do too. And again, um, I'm just thinking about this whole idea of maintenance where we just keep doing the same thing over and over and over. 
but we've got to know what that mission is. And like you said, it's going to change. I'm thinking about our mission in the Church of the Nazarene yeah, yeah, to, yeah. to make disciples. Right. And as the years go by and culture shifts and moves and changes, mm. we can't keep doing the same things right. that we did. Yeah years ago and uh, we just had a district assembly and I loved what Pastor Kyle did. He had a big door and, and the theme was called the open door. But he said something along the lines of um, you know, how we opened the door and expected people to come to us, but we've got to open the door and go out to them. Mm. And that's really kind of a, a cultural right. cultural shift, I think, because we're so used to thinking if we build it they will come. Right. And, you know, and we've got to we've got to look at the mission. Our mission is to go make disciples. Right. We've got to shift the ways we've been doing that yeah. and not just keep maintaining yeah. these um, systems that are no longer working. We've well, that, got to stay yeah. focused. And that's the mission of the church, right? It's not just the mission of the pastors. Yeah. You know, and if you look at Israel's history from, I mean, really just going all the way back. It's so fascinating how the Bible talks about it because like the people would be in oppression or they would be under somebody and God would raise up a leader. And then they would have like so many years while this leader was alive that things would be going great and there would be peace in the land and everybody would be taken, be taken care of. But as soon as that leader would die out, mm-hmm. what would happen? They would fall right back into oppression or they'd fall right back into their sins. They would go and, and, you know, the different parts of scriptures talk about, you know, talk about it in different ways. Um, but they would, you know, worship the gods of the people around them, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So like, or they would uh, worship the cows at Dan and Bethel and all this stuff. So there's all of these different ways that the scripture puts it, but it, it's fascinating that if, if everything depends on one person and, and one leader, Like I said, I think this is what the Bible essentially shows us. If it is all dependent upon just one person, then when that person dies, then what happens next? You know what I'm saying? And so I think that's why God is always trying to be calling a people. And I think that's the role of the pastors. We are calling our people to something deeper, to something kingdom-minded. Not just that we maintain, but like you said, how do we empower others to come alongside of us? And how do we breathe life into their spirit and their mm. gifts into their talents for them to be able to live this kingdom thing. And then it no longer becomes about maintenance. Then it really becomes about the mission because if we're focused on the mission, then that will continue on. But if we're focused on a leader or maintaining what we have, then that's when we see the cycle that we see in the Bible. So many times with the, with the Israelite people is things are good when the leader's there <clears throat> and leading, but as soon as they die away, then well, it's like it I'm thinking of Moses, you right. know, he's up on the mountain and by the time he gets back, right. they're already worshiping a golden calf. Um, yeah. hundred percent. And really this bleeds right into number five yes. and you didn't even know. Um, number five is your church is fixated on a singular personality or talent. Mm. Mm. Yes. And this is so easy to do too, um, on a deep level that we have pastors, um, or leaders, that we really, really look to, and um, and when we do that, like I said, we just lose that focus, right? Of mm-hmm. man, what is this really, really all about? There was a movie that just came out. We went to. Um, it's called the Jesus Revolution, but this yeah. really happens in the Jesus Revolution, right? Where there was a leader um, who essentially kind of fixated really on himself, you know, but there was this thought, man, if you leave, then what's going to happen? You know, mm-hmm. like, um, and it was, I guess, Lonnie, um, yeah. you know, that he was going to leave. And the guy was like, man, like, if you leave, what, what are we going to do? How's this going to happen? Um, and when we get fixated, as like I said, on one singular person or one singular talent, um, 
then, like I said, it's what happens if they leave? What happens if they die? Or Yeah, if they die, I mean, there's no control over, right. you know, there's no guarantee. And I think we're seeing that a lot of in these celebrity churches, mm-hmm. um, the downfall, because everybody has their eye on this one particular person or personality. Right. And, um, yeah, I mean, when that person doesn't meet expectations, everybody else falls apart. And I think we see that even in the story with Moses um, when he's trying to do everything. Right. And I do think pastors, you know, have good intentions. They they want to be, you know, like this Messiah complex, yeah, yeah, yeah. and they want to be the one to fix all the problems and, and to do everything. Right. But we see that where, you know, that was not healthy for Moses. Mm-hmm. And that's when, you know, so many others were were raised up to be judges, to hear the cases and try the cases. Right. Um, so that some of that responsibility was off of him. And then when the time came for Joshua to lead, mm-hmm. they followed Joshua. Right. You know, I mean, you've got to constantly be empowering people around you to, to lead. Right. And this is probably just as much on pastors as it is on lay people too. You know, mm-hmm. like, you know, I think it's easy for us, like I said, to, to put someone in a position um, that is unhealthy for them and unhealthy for us. Um, but pastors, how we accept praise, how we accept, like I said, it's that stuff is very, it can be very, um, it's like a dopamine hit, you know what I'm saying? Right. Like a drug almost like that when things are going well and people are praising you and giving you accolades or whatever, um, there's something that feels really good about that. And if we as pastors aren't at a place, and I think that's one of them down the road, but if we as pastors aren't at a place that is very, um, in a, coming from a place of humility, coming from a place of respect to God, of pointing back to God and mm-hmm. all that we do, um, then it's easy for us to live into that and right. to try to be the focal point, right? And right. to try to preach the sermons that are going to give us the pats on the back and all mm-hmm. of those type of things, you know? And so, um, so yeah, I think that that's something that as pastors, we've got to be very, very, very careful of um, because it's easy sometimes to let our pride come in and mm-hmm. to um, to turn or get to that place where it's like, uh, yeah, I want all that. I want the attention right. on me. I want the focus to be on me. And, um, and it totally turns us and the mission that God's given us as pastors into it's no longer about him, but it, it's more about us. Well, it's about control. Too. Right, 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 right. I want to control it. Yeah. I want to hold on oh, to, yeah, good. to everything yep. and not, you know, yeah, share yeah, yeah, that. Yeah. And I think that's the problem we run into. Oh, on a deep level. Cause we want, and like this, this is a hard part too. It's like, we want everything to be theologically accurate it's at the end of the day. <laughs> You know, how are we empowering our people? How are we teaching our people? How are we pushing our people, discipling our people? Um, and like I said, it's we. It's easy for us and for people to get, I think, this God complex, especially as pastors, that mm-hmm. everything's got to be perfect and everything, if it's going to be, it's up to me. And um, one of my professors had a really um, a sermon that really that that was the whole theme of it if it's going to be it's up to me if it's going to be it's up to me and um that that's that's not the reality of the gospel in the wow. kingdom way it's just, it's not up to me well that's not how he designed the church no no you no, know, no, no he no. designed us as a people right not a person he right, designed right, right. us as a people to work together to be his body right. and and we see the scripture where all these body parts are equal i mean you can't say to the yeah. i'm more important than you than the elbow you yeah, know yeah. or anything it, all of the body parts work together, and mm. a pastor is just a part of a body. That's right. 
And a lot of times I think pastors think that they're the head of everything, right. but we all are. Christ is the head. Right. And should we are, be. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. should be. Yes. And we're all body parts, and we're all working together mm. um, for this common mission. Again, right. you got to stay. what is the mission? Well, the mm. mission is to make him known, mm-hmm. you know? And yep. um, So we got to stay grounded in that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, for yeah. sure, 100%. So number six, yes. and what we're talking about, if you're just, if you like miss part of it, we're 13 signs your church is dying. And now we are on number six. Yes. And it is, you criticize younger upstart leaders. Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> no one stays young forever. That's Let me right. just tell you, nobody ever stays young. I don't care how old you are. And everybody starts at some point, you yeah. know? Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, it's once again, this is another hard thing because lots of times it's the younger, you know, people coming up that they may have some different ideas or different thoughts um, that maybe you don't 100% line up with your thoughts and your ideas mm-hmm. and your opinions. And so instead of, you know, healthy dialogue and journeying through, um, then it's, it's, it's so much easier to criticize, right? Mm-hmm. And, it's unfortunately, I think what happens a lot of times is, is young leaders come into churches with pastors instead of saying, man, how can I make this person continue on in the image of God? It's how can I make them like me? Oh yeah. I think that that's where a lot of pastors yeah. struggle, um, especially with younger people who are coming up. Um, and I think we struggle with that in the church. I think there is this mentality that everybody should look like us, not necessarily like physical features per se, but when it comes to theology, when it comes to opinions, when it comes Mm -hmm. to ideas, when it comes to thought, we are very much, um, if we're not careful, it's so much easier to say, well, if you're not like me, then you don't believe, or you're you're not a follower of Jesus, right? You know, like you're not. And so it's it's so much easier. And I think that that this happens with younger leaders who are coming up because um, it's it's easier sometimes to make them, we want them to make them look like us. Sometimes we want to conform um, younger or upstart leaders, like new people, you know, I think we want to conform them to our way of thinking right. about our philosophies of ministry. Right. And, you know, if you've had somebody that's been leading a church for a very long time, you know, strategies change and then you have younger people that are, you know, going through, you know, college and, mm-hmm. you know, ministry and they're learning new strategies and new things. But, you know, again, it's like, well, you know, you don't know as much as I know because I've been doing this for 25, right. 50 years, you uh-huh. know. So we dismiss or we even make fun. And you know what? We've got to make space for upstart leaders and let them make mistakes. Right. You know, you could be very right. Um, but sometimes we have to let people have the freedom to make those mistakes. Yeah. Um, but, you know, you might just be surprised, too. You right, know, right, right. They may, they may have something amazing that God has for shared. Sure with them yeah and and it's you know unfortunately i feel like our definition of success in church has really hindered um a lot of growth as well you know um um, you know i think what is the success in church right um and what and how do we approach maybe failures um and i think sometimes the fear of failure prevents us from doing a lot of things that are kingdom minded and kingdom oriented because we don't want to fail and um and so we we don't take risks we don't take you know and so right. i think that that's kind of a thing too well i think too that we define our failure according to the 
the statistics, mm-hmm. our numbers, yeah, 100%. how many people, and not what's going on inside the hearts of people. You right. can have small numbers, but you can have huge growth spurs happening right. in the hearts of people. And give me that any day mm-hmm. over numbers. We want people to mature in Christ. Right. And then when that happens, they will reproduce. Right. But I think sometimes we try to do the opposite. We just want big numbers and we don't get anywhere depth wise, right. you know, spiritually. And yeah, hundred yeah, percent. And, and that's not, not right either. You know what I'm saying? Like you said, there is this mentality. I think if you really are discipling people to be more and more like Jesus, if that's the goal is, is we are being more and more like Jesus, then it's just that natural flow that as we are talking through these things and journeying through these things and we're raising up leaders, then the natural flow of discipleship is as we learn and as we love God, then the natural, like I said, outflow of that is we're going to love others. And so we should desire to take that message to others, not necessarily beating them over the head, but living life with people, journeying with people and doing all those things. And and I think that will make a huge difference in people's lives, um, you know, as well. But like I said, so much easier, so much easier for us to just be like, ah, you don't, you know, you can't, you, you can't do that or you can't be different or you can't. And like, I think we totally missed that, the reality of the body of Christ and what the body of Christ is all about. Right. I, I believe that too. Yep. You know what? I think we might have to make a part two of this. I know. I think we are. That's right. This has been really a great conversation. Yeah. And again, I'm feeling guilty for adding my two cents because I'm definitely not an expert in right. church growth or anything. And I'm still in school, you yeah, know, yeah. but I've been in church since I was a year old and I've seen a lot. Mm -hmm. I've seen a lot of good and bad like everyone else, but I believe in the church. I believe in the mission. I I love our church. I love our denomination Mm -hmm. and we're not perfect. But I do believe that we're trying. There's just a lot of opinions and we can get on the same boat. But I do think that, you know, our mission to make real disciples, Mm -hmm. people that just follow Jesus, not anything else, but truly follow Jesus. That is our mission. And, um, I want to do my part as a church leader to cling tightly to that mission, but to be open-minded in all of these other areas that we've mentioned. Yeah, it's 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 really fascinating. Like, because um, I think if we were honest, you know, um, change is hard. Yeah. And the unfortunate truth is we don't like change in the church, but the world outside of the church is changing on a very very deep level, oh, yeah. and so. You know, the church in America has always been like maybe 20, 30 years behind. I think the church in Europe is kind of how I've always heard it. If you look at the church in Europe, it's almost non-existent. Um, it is totally transformed. It's been totally changed. And it's it's starting to look a lot more like, I think, the church that we read about in early Acts, you know, mm-hmm. the early church, where it's a lot of these grassroots um house churches, mm-hmm. um, a lot of missional based ministry of going and loving on people and, uh, getting those opportunities to be able to share the gospel of Jesus Christ right. in those relational type of environments. And, um, and I, th- I think that's where the church in America is headed. I mean, I'm just, right. just being totally honest, totally honest. And um, I, I think that's probably a good thing because right. I think we, we've gotten off track when we've hired one professional Mm -hmm. or a staff of professionals to carry out the work of the church you know it's like why would i do this ministry because i pay 
you know, my yep. tithe, which my tithe goes to their paycheck. Yeah. And we lose this priesthood of believers, I yeah. think. Yeah, and it's crazy. Yeah, my in between my um, my junior and senior year of college, I went on a mission trip to Germany. And the amount of churches in Germany that were, I mean, there's just beautiful, amazing, huge cathedrals were just empty, and nobody was in them. Like wow. the church was no longer there, and people were buying up cathedrals and turning wow. them into houses and turning them into bars wow. and turning them into all these yeah. other things. You know what I'm saying? Like, but um, you know, I, I think just kind of looking at kind of the church here in America and just kind of seeing how it's progressing, even once again in the church of the Nazarene, every other world area for the church of the Nazarene is growing. Their membership is growing. The only place that essentially it's declining is USA Canada. Uh, It's the only place that it's declining. And it's not that it's just declining. It's declining a lot. (laughs) It's rapidly very much uh, declining. And so we can look at that and say, Oh, if we could just get back to where we were. We could just sing those old songs. <laughs> That's right. We could just sing the hymns, and if we could just do this, and we could have Sunday night church. And like I said, not saying that those things are wrong, but I don't know just kind of seeing the progression. And so that's why we thought it'd be fun to kind of look at this list. And we're going to finish out the list uh, in the next part. And um, so, yeah, we definitely appreciate you listening to us. And um, we hope that you've learned a little bit. And we hope that you'll join us next week as we finish out this list and just kind of keep on with this conversation. I think it's an important conversation for us to have yes. as a church. Think so too. And as pastors. So if you have any comments, yeah. don't hesitate to reach out to us. We have a Facebook page, Growing Hope Living Faith Podcast, and we have email growing hope living faith at, at gmail.com. gmail.com. That's right. <laughs> and so uh, once again we'd love to hear from you and uh, to hear your thoughts on this because this stuff really is fascinating and we can ignore this stuff or we can talk about it and right. say what what can we do? You know, how can we make sure that we are setting ourselves up to be able to minister to people for a long time down the road. So once again, thank you so much for listening. A part two will be out next week. We love you all. Grace and peace. God bless and bye-bye.